Does the Bible only have one gospel? And if not, what are the other gospels in the Bible? And why is this question even significant? Hi everyone, my name is Francis Simeon and this is the Pauline Fellowship Bible Study. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about um, God's different gospels for, for different groups of people in different times. Uh, before we move on, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and that bell so you can get notified whenever a new Bible study uh, video drops. Or like and follow us at the Pauline Fellowship at Facebook and Instagram. Now here's a brief outline of what we will be taking or talking about tonight. Number one, we're going to be talking about uh, just some few Bible study guidelines, just a little bit um, of um, some reminders of what we need to know, what we need to think about whenever we're doing our Bible study. We're not going to be talking about all of them, but just some of them, but they're definitely going to be helpful. Number two, uh, is there only one gospel in the Bible? Um, remember, that's the question. Is there only one gospel in the Bible? And we're going to kind of tweak that question around a little, a little bit later on. And number three, if there are other gospels in the Bible, what are those? We're going to give a brief overview, so definitely we're not going to uh, we're not going to uh, go in depth. We're going to be talking about them one by one here in the following weeks. So uh, bear with me; it's going to be sort of uh, just breezing through. And then, last but not the least, why do we even need to think about this? Why? Why is it important? Why, you know, why talk about the different gospels? Um, so let's start. First and foremost, some important things to remember when studying the Bible. So I'm just going to talk about four. I know there's different. There's a lot of different rules when you, you start talking about um, the uh, right division of Scripture. So let's talk about it. Number one, um, God's words are perfect. God's words are perfect. If you do not have a perfect Bible, then you do not have the word of truth. Um, if you do not have the word of truth, then there is nothing to rightly divide. So I know um, that here at the Pauline Fellowship, we believe that the King James Bible is the perfect word of God. Some may not agree to that, and you know you have that freedom. But here's something to think about. If God, just think about it, if God cannot preserve a perfect Bible for us today, how can we trust that the salvation he's giving us is perfect? If he cannot preserve the words in that Bible, he, he told us he will, he would. How can he preserve our souls? So that's something to think about. And then uh, going back, remember I said earlier, God's words are perfect. If you do not have a perfect Bible, then you do not have the word of truth. If you do not have the word of truth, then there is nothing to rightly divide. Just like the, what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what's there to rightly divide? If the Bible uses that term, word of truth, then wouldn't it just dictate wouldn't it just logically follow that if there is a word of truth, then there is also a word of non or not truth? Or, of course, word of lies. Now, see, the devil knows that. And so he's going to attack that word of truth so people would not want to rightly divide. Excuse me. If people are not rightly dividing, they're not studying, then they're going to be ashamed. And that's why a lot of preachers today, a lot of pastors today, would rather be that they would rather be approved by men or by other pastors or by their congregation rather than be approved unto God. So number one, God's words are perfect. If you do not have a perfect word of God, then what's there to rightly divide? What's there to study? Number two, um, 
Never add to, subtract from, or change God's words. Now, I know that's just a, a little placeholder up here, so so uh, so I, that's all that I can fit there. But that's actually not finished yet. There's there's something that's missing there, and and I um, I changed the color to red here. Never add to, subtract from, or change God's words, both in paper and in your mind. See, many people who claim to be Christians do not, excuse me, do not, you know, uh, publish or reprint their own version of the Bible with their changes and pet peeves here and there. But where this fault, uh, where this fault is most committed is in the mind. Sometimes, you know, we condemn those who publish and support other versions, but we are also guilty of committing the same things in our minds. I'll give you an example. Uh, you've heard some people talk about, you know, when uh, when God was talking to um, the serpent, and of course Adam and Eve were just listening close by. In Genesis chapter number 3, verse 15, God said, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. When some people read into that and said, You know what? That's God telling Adam and Eve and the serpent that someday the Lord Jesus Christ will save us all, will die, will be buried, and will rose again, will rise again, sorry, excuse me, will rise again on the third day so he can save us all. Well, that's good preaching, but that's nowhere to be found in the text at all. So even if we're not taking a pen and writing those exact things in the in paper, we're doing it. We're adding those things in our mind. I'll give you another example. Genesis chapter number 6 verse 14 is talking about when God gave Noah the instructions for building the ark. He says, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in it in the ark and shalt pitch and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Now looking back us right now, we right now, the church, the body of Christ, looking back, we see that the ark is a good picture, is a great picture of how the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way, the only salvation, the only way where we, that we can be saved today. Just like back in those days, the ark, getting into that, that ark is the only way to get into, uh, to, to get saved from the flood. And there's so many great evangelistic preaching about that, you know? But if you're not careful, you read into the text what you want to think it says. See? But it's nowhere to be found that God told Noah that this is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ in the future. That he is the only way. See, we don't take, um, we don't take a penknife just like King Jehudai did and cut out the things that we don't like. We don't take a pen and write in on the text and the paper the things that we don't like or change the things that we don't like, but we do it in our minds. So, never add to or subtract from or change God's words both in pen and in paper and in our minds. Number three, and you've heard this before, always ask, who is speaking or who is writing when you're reading it, of course. Number two, who is the audience? Who is the, who is the intended uh, people to receive or to read the letter? And number three, what is the content of the message? See, because herein lies an important concept that if it is applicable only to one group of people, and not to the other, we cannot mix it. No matter how much we want to. 
So we'll talk about that some more later on. We actually have some good example. And then last but not the least, uh, what are the prevailing conditions of that time? What are the prevailing conditions of the people during the time and setting uh, that we're talking about? Now, um, I'll give you an example, just a simple example, and we'll go to another example here that we have in our presentation, in our Bible study. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. A simple example now, right now, in our time right now. We are not under the law, praise God. So we do not need to bring sacrifices into the temple. We do not need to keep the Sabbath. Um, uh, and, and, you know, if we miss, we might get stoned to death <coughs> out in the gate, excuse me. But... We also cannot read that into the Old Testament book and try to apply that into their lives because the prevailing circumstances or conditions are different. During that time, they were under the law. Now we're not. So during the, that time, while we're reading any Old Testament book uh, or old any book in the Bible where they are still under the law, <coughs> excuse me, we cannot apply our circumstances to them because their prevailing conditions are different than ours today. Here's another example, which is our gospel. <coughs> Excuse me. So, today, as written and as stated in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, it says... Uh, that our gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 3, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Man, excuse me. There's just some little itch going on in my throat here. <clears throat> if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. But in Luke chapter number 18, this is before the cross now, that's the Lord Jesus Christ who's speaking, and he's speaking, he's talking to the disciples themselves. He's essentially explaining to him what is going to be in the future, the content of our gospel. He says, For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on, and they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and in the third day he shall rise again. Right? He shall rise again because he's going to be buried. So essentially, if you think about it, that's going to be in the future the content of our gospel. Now, if that is hid from us, if we do not understand that, we cannot believe in it. We cannot have faith, trust in it or, 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 or have faith in it. And that means it's hid from us. If it is hid, then it is hid to them that are lost. But look at the apostles, their, their prevailing circumstances during that time. He, the Lord Jesus Christ essentially told them his, he will be put to death, he'll be buried, and the third day he will rise again. Watch what happened next. Peter said, Awesome. Well, we gotta write that down because we're that we gotta we gotta tell Paul to preach that to the Gentiles in the future. Is that what Paul said? I'm sorry, is that what Peter said? No. It says here, and they understood none of these things, and the saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. <coughs> so what's that mean? Well, Francis, that means that since they don't know the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, then they are lost. Are they? The disciples? Well, we know one of them is uh, Ju Judas. <coughs> Excuse me. So, what's going on here? What I'm trying to show you is that the prevailing conditions during the time of the Lord Jesus Christ's early ministry and the time of the, uh, the disciples is different from ours today. 
their message, their gospel is different then. And uh, um, as ours is right now. Well, see, I'm just getting ahead of myself. I'm getting excited about, I mean, I've been excited about this topic. So kind of just answering the questions that are that we're supposed to be answering later. That's all right. <laughs> so always asks, always ask, sorry, what are the prevailing conditions of the people during that time and the setting? Um, and we cannot read or we cannot apply into difference a different setting what is applicable to us if it's not applicable to them self-explanatory right excuse me i i beg your pardon please please uh bear with me i got a little itch in my throat over here i just came back straight from work <coughs> and it's the winter here now i'm actually in seattle and it's cold <laughs> so there's a little itch in my uh throat here Anyway, let's go. Let's uh, just a brief summary of some important things to remember when studying the Bible. Number one, God's words are perfect. Okay, Jesus Christ Himself said, right, and they change this in different Bibles. Right, Luke chapter four, verse number four: Man shall not live by bread alone, but by not some, but by every word of God. Right, so God's words are perfect. If he cannot, remember, if he cannot preserve his words perfect, what makes us think that he can provide a perfect salvation for us? Number two, never add to nor subtract from or change God's words both in paper and in our minds. Number three, always ask who is speaking or who is writing, who is uh, he speaking to or who, are, who is the audience, who, who, um, who is he writing to? And what is the content of the message? And number four, last but not the least, again, like I said, there are many other uh, important Bible study guidelines, but these are the four that I wish to highlight so it can help us answer the questions that we asked earlier. Number four, last but not the least, what are the prevailing conditions of that specific time and place? Okay, so let's go to our, so let's go to our question that we asked earlier. Is there only one gospel in the Bible. Is there only one gospel in the Bible? Now, take note that that is the question, right? Take note of the question, is there only one gospel in the Bible? Because we're kind of, we're going to kind of tweak that later on. So let's go to Galatians chapter number two, verse seven and eight. The Bible says, but contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision, number one, was committed unto me, who is writing? So we're going to apply the things that we talked about earlier. Who's speaking, who's writing? That's the Apostle Paul. He's that me there. As the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. So we have two different people now, all right? We have the Apostle Paul, to whom it was committed the gospel of the uncircumcision, and the Apostle Peter, to whom it was uh, the gospel of the circumcision was committed. And then uh, the Apostle Paul further expl explains in verse number 8, uh, open and close quotations, For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. I love how the King James Bible has its own built-in dictionary there to explain what the uncircumcision is. So, the uncircumcision is defined by the Bible itself as the Gentiles. Therefore, that just goes without saying, circumcision then would be the Jews. Okay? If we go over to our table over here, it says, um, if we analyze it, right, in Galatians chapter number 2, verse 7 and 8, the speakers... The speaker, we have two speakers or the two people that was committed that to whom these gospels were committed to. We have Peter and Paul. The content, Peter's gospel is called the gospel of the circumcision. Paul's gospel is called the gospel of the uncircumcision. Well, some people would say that these gospels are one and the same. Oh, you know, they're just, they're just, um, they're just, it's, it's just two people giving the same order, the same command to go 
and preach the gospel. You know, but if you look at it closely, we have the gospel of the circumcision and the gospel of the uncircumcision. Right? The prefix un renders the word right after it the opposite of that other word. So say, for example, some people say, oh, that's the same thing, right? If we have open and unopen, is that the same thing? Of course not. See, the speakers themselves are different. The content is different. And of course, the audience is different. We have the, the Jews, the circumcision. And on the other hand, Paul's audience is the Gentiles. So it cannot be one and the same. By virtue of that verse in itself, that verse in itself has two Gospels in it. And you cannot just do um, how do I say this? You can't just sort of massage it whichever way you can to make it mean whichever way, whichever meaning you want it to be. Just to kind of defend our own um, you know, our own sets of belief or theology. Uh, just like this saying, which is why I'm sure you've probably, I'm sure you've heard this before. Uh, Charles C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said, quote, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend the lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself, end of quote. So I can't just, you know, to make it say, make the verse, make the verse in Galatians chapter number two say what I want it to say. I can't massage it just to defend my institutions. All I need to do is just let it say what it needs to say, and it'll defend itself. And I, you know, whether I believe it or not. Now, what I said earlier is, the notice the question: Is there only one gospel in the Bible? The answer is no. Just in Galatians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, we looked at two different Gospels. One is given to Peter and one's given to Paul. Or sorry, committed to Peter to give to the to the uh the Jews, and one is given to Paul to give to the Gentiles. So those are two different gospels. And again, like I said, this is since this is just an overview, we're going to be talking about the content in depth more in the next following weeks here. Um, but the question is, is there only one gospel in the Bible? The answer is no. But if the question was different, if the question was, is there only one gospel that can save us today? If that was the question, then the answer would drastically change. Do you know the answer? The answer would be yes. If there's only, is there only one gospel that can save us today? The answer is yes. Because if we, if we use or if we trust in a different gospel, or if we mix all these different gospels, or if we add a work here and there, or change it here and there, no matter how well-meaning that addition is, no matter how good a work it is, that's why it says in Titus 3.5, not, not by works of righteousness. If we add a little here, or take a little bit there, or change a little bit here and there, it becomes another gospel. Today, the only gospel that can save us is the gospel that was given to the Apostle Paul. And it is defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 to 4. And if you add something to it, Galatians 1, verse 6 and 7 says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that, are called, that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. We'll talk about 
those different ki- names, uh, different gospels in depth here later on, right? Uh, in the following week- weeks. So, if, again, is there only is there only one gospel that would save us today? The answer is yes, right? But that's not really what the question is ab- about for this Bible study, right? The question is, is there only one gospel in the Bible? And the answer is no. Galatians chapter number 2, verse 7 and 8 says um, says that there's at least two. And, and there's more, right? Which, which, which leads us to question number three. Are there other gospels in the Bible? Yes, there are, right? And so we're going to be, you know, just uh, grab your magnifying glass. We're going to do a little bit of brief overview here, brief studying, and we're going to take a, de- a, a, a deeper, brief, deep look, look into these different messages and different Gospels. I, I'm going to use those uh, interchangeably, although when we go deep into them in the following weeks, we're just going to be talking about um, the Gospels and not the different messages that were given to, say, for example, which is our first point over here, Adam, Noah, and Abraham. Okay, so we have our chart over here, and uh, we have Adam and uh, Noah and Abraham in this in this first area over here, right? And so, um, what is uh, what is what is the message given by God to them so that they can be saved, right? What is what is you know if I've I've used this example in many in, in when when I've spoken done Bible studies many times before. If Adam after the fall comes home and he would just you know talk to wife uh, to his wife Eve and Eve was like Adam why are you sad? Uh, and Adam says I am so I am just so depressed. And Eve says Well why are you depressed? I can I might be able to help you. And Adam says Eve what must I do to be saved? What does Eve do then? Does she say, oh, there, th- that's no problem whatsoever, Adam? Here, let me walk over here to our, uh, our, our uh, bookshelf and grab the book of Romans written by Paul. See, it says here, Romans 3.10, there is no, none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, uh, all have sinned. See, he, she couldn't do that. She couldn't read 1 Corinthians 15. Right? Because it hasn't been written yet. Matter of fact, nothing has been written until, well, Job wrote the book of Job and Moses wrote the first five book of, books of the Bible. So what did God tell Adam to do? Replenish the earth. And then after the fall, there's different uh, there's different sets of instruction that he gave him. Uh, and then Noah, same thing after the flood. Um, replenish the earth. And then when it comes to um, to Abraham, Abraham was given a different set of instructions. And this he believed, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. If you want uh, another look at uh, the, the salvation of Noah, uh, please feel free to look at our um, previous video about the salvation of, no- uh, of uh, sorry, not Noah, but Abraham. He believed, you know, some people would argue and say, yeah, well, Abraham's salvation is the same as us. Uh, let me submit to you that it's not because even if it says that he believed, there were some things that he needed to do to be, um, to you know, you know, he believed and and he needed to be circumcised, and the object of his belief was different than ours. Ours is our belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He believed what God said that God is going to make him a great nation. And he believed that he believed God when he said, get away from here and I'll take you to the to the promised land. And that's why it says 
in Romans, uh, Romans chapter number 4, verse 17, as it is written, I have, uh, I have made thee a father of many nations before him uh, whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those, man, my eyes are bad, excuse me, and call it those things which he, uh, which be not as though they were, who against hope believe in hope that the death, burial, and resurrection is the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, and his blood is the propitiation for our sins. Is that what it says? No. That he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be. So as you can see, the object of his belief is different from ours. Right? So, I'm just going through this briefly. Like I said, we'll go through this in depth later on. To show you that the messages, the word gospel was not written, was not... Uh, used here yet that's why i'm using the word messages the the messages of god to adam to noah and to abraham was definitely different than his message than the gospel that he gave to us after noah we have of course moses moses in deuteronomy chapter number six says uh and it shall be our righteousness if uh oh What's that word if mean? That means it's conditional, right? If we observe to do, uh-oh, there's a condition of works. If we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he had commanded us. So, because it's conditional, there's a work, works-based acceptance. You've heard many it many times said. Um, you know, sure, there's faith. They have to believe. And then to show their belief, to show their faith, they have to do, to have, they have to observe to do. Our righteousness is different. Our righteousness is not of the law. Our righteousness is the imputed righteousness of, of God unto us. And in Romans, it says, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law. Our, our righteousness is not the righteousness which is of the law. That, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. So we've crossed over to Moses, the law and the prophets. So from the books of Moses, from Exodus, all the way to, oh, by the way, it crosses over to that portion in, the, in your Bible where it says, after Malachi, where it says the New Testament books of the Bible. Because as you enter Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're entering a time and a place where the prevailing conditions is that people were still following the Old Testament law. And then all of a sudden, here comes John the Baptist. He breaks into the scene and says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? In the book of Luke, chapter number 16, it says, the law and the prophets were until John. Right? So the law and the prophets were until John. That's self-explanatory. Since that time. So what happened? There was a switch in the message. Right? Since that time, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was is preached. Is that what it says? No. From that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man press it into it. So since that time, after the law, 
and the prophet. After that, after the time Jen, John the Baptist broke into the scene, the message switched to what we call the gospel of the kingdom. And it's going to describe, the Bible is going to define what it is in Mark chapters chapter number 1, verse 14 and 15. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus also, also actually the, the 12 uh, disciples preached the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the, what? The kingdom of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So what is the definition of the gospel of the kingdom? Repent. Or what is the content? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Who is the speaker? John the Baptist. The Lord Jesus Christ. The apostles. The, or sorry, the disciples. What is uh, the content? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Who are the people that he was talking to? Who are the people that he... Uh, who, who are the audience? Who is the audience? Who are they talking to? They were talking to a very Old Testament following people, the Jews, right? And then we're going to talk about this some more later on. Those who believe in him become the remnant. Those who believe, who repent and are baptized become the remnant. They become part of a group called the little flock, right? So a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of denominations peg the start of their church around here. They call it the early ministry, the or sorry, the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's dangerous because if that's where it is, then your gospels are mixed. And if your gospel is mixed, then it becomes another gospel. See? So, that's uh, before the cross, uh, from John the Baptist till the cross. After the cross, what happens? The apostles after the cross. Um, you can see, um, sorry, let me, you can see me kind of just staring out into, <laughs> into, into the fine print over here on my, on my computer and my eyes are not that good anymore so I'm I kind of just made the thing really big here for for me to see in Acts chapter number 2 verse 36 to 38 and a lot of people will say earlier I said that um, some people would beg the start of their church in the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, a lot of people also peg the start of their church in Acts chapter number 2 because they said that the Apostle Peter was talking to a whole bunch of, you know, different groups of people. You got to remember, this is the Pentecost, and it was a feast of Israel. So people from all, uh, Jews from all over the world would go back to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. So we're not talking, or Peter was not talking to a group of Gentiles over here. And all over Acts chapter number 2, there's a lot of context clues saying that these people are Jews. One of which is found in Acts chapter number 2, verse 36, which is the conclusion. That's why it says, Therefore, let all the house of who? The church. No. The church, which is the body of Christ. No. The house of Israel. No, assuredly. That God had made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ. Now we're going to talk about this later on. That That's actually, as defined in Romans chapter number one, the definition of the gospel of Christ. Or sorry, the gospel of God. The gospel of God. All right? The content of the gospel of God. Um, so, well, it's most actually kind of, um, you know, like an indictment. It's like, hey, when the gospel, which we're going to talk about next week, what the definition of the word gospel is, is good news or good tidings. 
But it's the gospel of God is like saying, hey, <laughs> to the Israelites, to, to the Jews, gospel of the circumcision, right? Saying, hey, you guys crucified the guy that, the, that, that man that you crucified is Lord and Christ. So repent that you crucified him. Then, Peter, then, of course, later in verse number 37, they'd say, well, they were pricked in their heart, and they said, well, they said, what do we do? Peter said unto them, who's them? The Jews, the house of Israel. He said, believe on the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Is that what he said? No. He said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Baptism and sign gifts, and we'll talk about that later on, is always a part of the gospel of the kingdom. There's a reason why. It says, uh, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In the next chapter... Watch this. It says, Repent ye therefore, that's Peter still, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when? When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Their forgiveness of sins is future. Ours were already forgiven because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their forgiveness is future. So as you can see over here, in uh, in my in, in our chart over here, Acts chapters number one to seven, in verse number seven, um, well, uh, the the Lord Jesus Christ in the cross, sorry, um, said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." And they were he, sorry, excuse me, he asked for one year um, extension, and from Acts chapter one to seven, there was still that middle wall of partition dividing the Jews and the Gentiles, and then. At the tail end of that extension given to them, they finally said, "Nope, we're not going to, we're not going to believe, we're not going to accept." And so they stoned Stephen, and that started the the fall and diminishing, a fall and diminishing, and uh, as written in the Book of Romans. And then after that. When God from Abraham all the way to the apostles in Acts chapter number 7 spoke exclusively to the Jews or to the nation of Israel. If you were a Gentile during any of these times here in the blue over here and you wanted all the way to Acts chapter number 7 and you wanted to be part of God's program you had to be under the program of the Jews. And that's why God told Abraham from the very beginning, if there's a stranger that wants to be part of your home, that wants to be sorry, but that wants to be parts of your part of your house, you have to circumcise them as well. And then after that they have to follow um what I told what I told you. He told that to Moses as well. All throughout that time. God dealt exclusively with the Jews. And all of a sudden, Paul splits the scene and says, I speak unto you Gentiles. And we're going to talk about that, uh, uh, as you can see in our chart over here, the during the time of the Apostle Paul, Gospel of God plus the gospel of Christ equals the gospel of the uncircumcision or the gospel of the grace of God. Um, we'll, we'll definitely define these one by one and uh, see what the content... Well, not we're not the one that's going to define these. It's the Bible that's going to define those. It's, but it's, we're going to try to see what the Bible get, defines or provides as the content of these. Right? But our gospel... 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 1 to 4. Um, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Who's the speaker here? This is Paul, right? Who's he speaking to? Uh, the believers at Corinth. I declare unto you the gospel which 
I, not Peter, not any of the disciples, not any of the apostles, I, Paul, preach unto you, which also ye received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are, what, saved. If ye keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received. See? So first of all, he received it, and then he delivered. So when the he was the first one who received this gospel. He was the first one who received this gospel. That's why he is called later on our pattern. And I talked about this before. You cannot, you know, for those who have uh, made clothes or dresses or homes or houses, or you, those of you who are contractors, you don't make, you don't start building or sewing the dress or building the house or the, the building and then make a pattern or make the blueprints later on. No, that's the very first thing that has to happen. Paul is the very first, uh, very first one who believed this. That's why he is our pattern. Right? For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to to the scriptures. Okay. So after that, so we are now in what we call the dispensation, or what the Bible calls as the dispensation of grace. And then after that, uh, we are around here towards this last part over here where there's an arrow up, white arrow up. And uh, that's when we're going to be caught up. Uh, some people call it the rapture. And after that, there's the seven years tribulation which what gospel is going to be preached then again? Well, it's going to be the gospel of the circumcision again, but I just put in here the gospel of the kingdom because it's expressly said in the book of Matthew 24, verse 13 to 15. That's why if you don't rightly divide, um, you, get, you just get everything mixed up. Watch in Matthew chapter 24, verse 13 to 15. He that shall endure to the end. Well, that's definitely involving works. That's definitely involving works-based acceptance, is it? Isn't it? The same shall be what? Saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, I see back in our chart over here, excuse me, you can see how... Uh, after Acts chapter number 7, when they rejected the final offer of the kingdom, um, God postponed uh, the prophetic or the prophecy program. And all of a sudden, we are, what, we are now in what we call the mystery program. After the mystery program is ended and we are all caught up to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, then the prophetic clock resumes. And so when the gospel of the circumcision was cut over here or was postponed over here, it resumes over here in the tribulation. Right? That's why it says, uh, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by, of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Okay? So we'll talk about that in depth later on again. And so, last but not the least here, and, and there's other gospels, um, gospel of peace, we'll talk about that when we go in depth. But... Um, the very last time of last thing over here. If you read the book of Revelation, you know that the vials, the angels, and all these other uh, the seven trumpets and stuff is just a a, a different rundown through uh, tribulation. And so, um, in one part, it's talking about the different angels, and towards the end of the tribulation, there, Revelation chapter number fourteen, verse six and seven, it says, "And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven." 
having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. And to every nation and kindred who is speaking the angel. Right? Now, at our time, that's definitely not applicable for our time because Paul says, if any other man, or if I, or if any other man, or even if an angel preach another gospel to you, let him be accursed. That's in Galatians chapter number 1. Uh, this is Revelation chapter number 14, way over there towards the end of the tribulation. Uh, it says, the angel, the speaker is the angel. Um, the gospel is the everlasting gospel. The content, well, the, the recipients or the audience is everyone that dwells on the earth and to every nation and to kindred and tongue and people saying with a loud voice, here's the content, fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the foundations of waters. Now, let me ask you a question. Today, if you tell people, listen, you need to fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the foundation of the waters, and they believe that, and they fear God, and they worship him and give glory to him, are they saved? course not because that's a different gospel our gospel for our time right now for our prevailing conditions right now is the death burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ you see so that's just a brief overview I know I ran through that pretty quick and like I said don't worry we're going to go through that in depth here in the following weeks or months uh, so which leads us to the last part over here. Why is it even important to talk about this? I'm saved, Francis. I'm saved, so I don't know. I don't need to worry about all of that. So why is it even important? Well, three things, and then we'll end. Number one, because you need to believe the correct gospel for your salvation right now. So let me ask you, are you saved? Which gospel are you holding on to? Well, I prayed a prayer, Brother Francis. Nope, all you have to do is believe. Well, I asked him to come into my heart. Nope, all you have to do is believe. Well, I was baptized. See, these are all things that are components of the gospel of the kingdom. But our gospel right now, gospel of the grace of God, it does not include any of that. The gospel of the uncircumcision indicates that we can be saved, we can be blessed outside of the nation of Israel, outside of the physical circumcision. Why is this important? Number one, because you need to believe the correct gospel for your salvation. Number two, because mixing different gospels or different components of different gospels makes it another gospel you can't create your Frankenstein gospel you can't create your um, your your monster gospel or your hybrid gospel just so you know you can, you're picking components of what you like about this gospel here and then just leaving what you don't like, picking another component that you like from another gospel here, and then just leaving out what you don't like. That is making a Frankenstein gospel, and according to Galatians chapter 1, it's a perversion of the true gospel, therefore it is another gospel. And last but not the least, because our gospel is the only one that teaches that you and I are already forgiven because of Christ's blood and that you cannot lose your salvation. And that's why in the book of Romans, um, the Apostle Paul says that he can establish you. Uh, I, I, cannot, I can't remember the wording right now, but he can establish you by my gospel or something like that. You know, I've seen, I've talked to 
many church people or quote-unquote Christians who have been a Christian or in church more than I have been alive. And they, and I've heard them say, listen, I've asked Jesus to come into my heart. I've been a Christian for, you know, just the generic answers the, or the, the, the generic statements about why they're, why, why they're saved or why they think they're saved. And then they'd say, but you know what? I can't help but sometimes wonder if I'm really saved. I've heard a lot of people say that. They're not established. You know why? Because they're trusting in a Frankenstein chimera hybrid gospel. You cannot create a Frankenstein gospel. You know what? You trust in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection as dispensed to us, as told unto us, as preached unto us by the Apostle Paul. He told us because of Christ's blood, you are forgiven. You do not need to wait for the future, just like what Peter said to the Jews in, in Acts chapter number 3. You are forgiven now. And you cannot lose your salvation. Why? Because you don't need to work for it. There is no need for there is no works-based acceptance. Why? Because Christ's perfect work is the only thing. His death, burial, and resurrection is the only thing that can save us right now. How about you, my friend? Are you saved? Just a uh, um, exhortation. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and be saved now. Don't wait, friend, because tomorrow may not come. Um, that's it for our Bible study, God's different gospels for different groups of people in different times. Uh, I beg your pardon again for the itchy throat that uh itchy itchy throat and um coughing and stuff like that. But just to summarize. Some Bible study guide, guidelines. Um, God's Word is perfect, number one. Number two, don't add to, subtract from, change the Word of God, both in paper and in our minds. Always ask who's speaking, who is he speaking to, and what is the content. And always ask what is the prevailing condition. Question number uh, one is there only one gospel in the Bible? The answer is no. There's many different kinds of gospel, gospels in the Bible. Well, if we tweak the question to is there only one gospel that would save us in our time today, the answer is yes. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, all you have to do is believe. And then, what are the other gospels in the Bible? So, um, we have the gospel of the kingdom, we have the gospel of God, we have the gospel of the uncircumcision, the gospel of the circumcision, the gospel of peace, we have the gospel of uh, the grace of God, gospel of Christ, and the gospel of, uh, sorry, the everlasting gospel as preached by that angel. Why is this important? Because you need to believe the correct gospel in our time to be saved. Number two, if you, you if you take a little bit here, take a little bit there, and create your own chimera hybrid Frankenstein gospel, then that becomes another gospel. It's a perverted gospel, and you cannot be saved by that. And then last but not the least, because our gospel is the only one that says, hey, you're forgiven now. Your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven now. You don't have to wait for the future for that to be forgiven. And it's the only one that teaches us that you cannot lose your salvation because as soon as you believe, pow, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And if you're stronger than the Holy Spirit, then you can take, you can break that seal. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not stronger than the Holy Spirit. You're not stronger than the Holy Spirit. When you're sealed, you're sealed. Friend, I hope that was a blessing to you. Uh, please feel free to contact us and um, uh, reach out if you have any questions. And uh, God bless you. Have a good one.